Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Culture. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of A New Winter, Cults and Culture. And on today's minisode, we're just going to be having a quick update. And I hope that you guys enjoyed last Sunday's episode, which was the top 10 films of the 2010s. And so this Sunday, we'll be doing the top 10 games of 2010s. And yeah, I hope that you will like it. I am wondering what people thought of the films and if people thought I was right, if I was wrong. So please do let me know. Hopefully by this time next week, the little comedy thing that me and Dan do should be up and I'll put an episode on here so you guys can get a taste for it. And then, yeah, if you go over and subscribe, that would be great. I'm also going to be putting up an episode on The Last Jedi. That's next in line. And for our Patreon uh, members, uh, who if you go to patreon.com slash a new winter, then you can sign up there. Um, I'll be doing the original ring versus the new I say new ring the remake um and yeah I did this on another podcast and we had a discussion about it um so I've just kind of summed that all up and put it as an episode for uh Patreon members so yeah go on over and you can listen to that I'll also um be putting up a, a new short story soon which again I'm still working on so just bear with me whilst I'm doing that on top of that there will also be episodes on the Blair Witch game which I've recently done there will be a Dark Souls 3 episode which I know some of you guys will be looking forward to and I'm trying to see if I can get Gary from um, Bonfire Side Chat to come on again uh, like we did on Dark Souls 2 otherwise I'll do it by myself but yes that is completed now all the DLC done and bosses etc so that's finished in terms of my finished game so I just need to discuss it and talk about why it was um maybe not the strongest Dark Souls in the series, um, which for people out there might be blasphemous. But yeah, it's worth it's worth a listen. And especially if you listen to the first two, Dark Souls 1 and 2. And yes, so on top of that, 
I am thinking, um, and on that note, I'll be thinking about doing a Dark Souls audio drama episode, fanfic, if you want to call it that, which I think will be quite interesting. And yes, there'll be other bits and pieces to look out for. So yeah, that's that's kind of it. I thought I'd kind of go through some of the, the news as well and some discussions on what's happening out there in the pulp culture thing and try and beef up these minisodes a little bit more on my thoughts on the current situation. Also give you a taste of what um, is happening out there and what people might find interesting. So I guess one of the talking points was the Oscar nominations came out, the list, uh, this week. And yeah, so I thought I'd probably give you a little bit of insight into what I think about it and who I think will win and who I think maybe deserves to win. There was a lot of controversy surrounding this because it was mainly white males, um, as you know, is usually the, the problem with these things, and that there wasn't any kind of diversity within the nomination list. And I know some people have come up um, and spoke, like Stephen King, for instance, got in a bit of trouble because he was just like, it's about quality, not diversity or whatever. And that kind of got people people's backs up a little bit. Um, and I can see both sides uh, the point of view of that. And I think, I think maybe before I get into it, like the person they, the problem is, is that there's not enough opportunities at the beginning of the process to get these people involved, um, rather, rather than kind of focusing on the end result, which is an award. The focus should be on the fact that these people should be getting the recognition right from the beginning. And I know it's kind of like a circular thing, because if you're not going to award or recognize someone in that capacity, from a um, you know diverse background, then why should they be hired in the first place? So, yeah, there's an element here where I know where people go. Well, you know, they should, but you know, we're rewarding the fact that you're diverse. We're rewarding the quality of the performances and the skills involved into what's happening here. Which I, yeah, I see that point, but I do think there is an element here where. Um, maybe things get looked over a little bit and maybe there's an inherent prejudice maybe. Um, but then saying that I was surprised as I looked through this list because Parasite was up for a few awards more than the, you know, best foreign film. And I think that, and I think that's good. And there's, and there's an issue around that, um, around that whole fact that there's always been uh, that foreign films, are better or whatever a lot of foreign films that are better than you know standard hollywood movies don't get a look into the other categories because you know they're not from america or britain or whatever um and like what constitutes a foreign film like why does that even matter why is there like a border put up surely it's a film and it's based on its own merit and it's just as you know just as likely to get onto the other list as well um and i'm kind of more about that. And I think by doing that, hopefully that would open up, you know, um, open up Hollywood essentially to like the rest of the world. And with that, you'd think there'd be like a kind of a, a divert, more of a diverse um, background amongst some of the nominations. So I don't know, that's a kind of like a quick fix answer maybe. And, but they've kind of stepped into that with Parasite this year, I feel, um, but just not enough. And there's also the added element where, this <laughs> is, bit weird to say like right at the beginning when I'm about to talk about it but like people just don't really care about the awards so much it's within the general public because essentially it's a lot of backslapping for studio execs and you know the 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 rumors and the stuff are is that the people who kind of like the academy essentially 
um, and the people who vote these things in, there's all these like bigger meetings that happen where like people are just trying to get their own stuff away. So like, you know, and this is cynical, but essentially, you know, Warner Brothers, Sony, whatever, Disney and all this stuff, um, whomever, or like they'll all be sitting down and be like, right, well, we need to have, this person's got to win that or you know, this film has to do, uh, has to win all this stuff, but also this person might be starring in your next film. So, you know, if we win it for this, then that means they walk into your next film with an Academy Award and all this stuff. And that there's a political game about it. There's definitely a political game, but I think it's quite interesting the fact that, um, you know, that people think it's like tactical voting, essentially, within the Academy that kind of gets these things won. I don't know whether that's true or not. Um, but yeah, those are the kind of rumours that you hear about all this kind of stuff. But anyway, enough about that. Let's go into the actual nomination list and see what we think. So the first off is the um, performance by an actor, the leading role nominee. So best leading actor, basically. And again, <laughs> before I even start, um, there's a whole thing where it's like, oh, an actor, an actress. Like, why is there a separate category? And yeah, okay. Again, Correct. I think there's an element where, you know, there'd be less awards, won't there? <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't know why it kind of has to be separated into gender, really. And I think the way things are going, where the people are be like, I'm non-binary or I'm trans and things like that, it's like having the black or white, you know, you're either um, male or female. It's, you know, it's kind of, <laughs> it's not doing yourself any favours by future-proofing the whole thing. Um and I like the idea that more awards are kind of given out, but yeah. Anyway, so best performance performance by an actor in a leading role nominee: Antonio Banderas in *Pain and Glory*, Leonardo DiCaprio in *Once Upon a Time in Hollywood*, Adam Driver in *Marriage Story*, Joaquin Phoenix in *Joker*, and Jonathan Price in *The Two Popes*. Now, another interesting thing about this is that Netflix has got a lot of Oscar noms this year. They've done really well, and um, so it's kind of showing where the future uh, of movies is starting to go. I think obviously there'll always be a place in cinema, but I think it is very interesting that Netflix have done very well this year. I mean, they've spent enough on content. Surely they've got to get something back for it. Um, out of all these, I've I've only seen Joker. So I, can't, so I know it's the start off with the thing of like, I don't know, I haven't seen him. But the fact that Joaquin Phoenix is kind of winning everything at the moment his betrayal in Joker, which is um, a taxi driver ripoff, really, isn't it? But we can't say that. Um, it's a Scorsese film, really, isn't it? He produced it, walked away or whatever. But it's just a copy of a Scorsese film. It's Main Streets 2.0. But, but we can't say that. Um, I think that he'll probably win it this time as well because he's won all the other awards um, at this time for that portrayal. I think it would be interesting... Um, and because just from what I've seen of Marriage Story and the way people have talked about it, and I will watch it, I think Adam Driver um, is the is in, an interesting actor anyway. And I don't know, I kind of don't feel like he's been recognised for it. So as much as I enjoyed Wrecking Phoenix and Joker, again, it was great and he was good. Yeah, fine. Um, but I think it'd be interesting to see someone like Adam Driver win it. But... I think Wacking Phoenix will win it for Joker. So performance by an actor in a supporting role nominee. Tom Hanks in A Beautiful Day in the Neighbourhood. 
which has got um, the guy from The Americans in, by the way, for people that listen. Uh, Anthony Hopkins in The Two Popes, Al Pacino in The Irishman, Joe Pesci in The Irishman, Brad Pitt in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Now, I think a lot of people have said that um, Brad Pitt will probably win this one um, and that it will be kind of like a recognition for the fact that he's done loads of acting and he never gets any awards. There's a reason for that, though, because I don't think he's that good an actor. Um, Again, I still need to see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, so again, take this as you want. Um, But I've seen The Irishman and Al Pacino was all right. I don't think it was Oscar nom-worthy. For me... Joe Pesci was the, definitely the better, better actor out there um, in The Irishman anyway. So I'm looking at that. I'm like, I do kind of need to see the, the two popes. Tom Hanks, um, I feel like what I've seen of that film, I don't even think it's officially out here yet. I've, I think it's very Tom Hanks-ish and I'm sure he does a great job and he's brilliant and all this, but it doesn't strike me that this is, that, that is a very, um, uh, you know, some, how do I put this? that it's a performance that kind of shakes you up a little bit, I imagine. Um, it feels like it's Tom Hanks playing a very Tom Hanks role. Well, you could say it's Joe Pesci playing a very Joe Pesci role, but the thing is, it's not really, is it? Because Joe Pesci's always been like the loud, high-pitched, like, you know, and in The Irishman, he's not like that at all. He's very quiet, very, you know, introverted, very insular. Um, and it's the best performance, definitely, in that entire film. So for me, I wouldn't be surprised if Joe, I kind of want to see Joe Pesci win it. I need to see the two popes. Um, I don't know anything really about it. Um, but uh, yeah, I think Joe Pesci would be more interesting winner here. And that's what I'd like to see. Realistically, I think Brad Pitt will probably get it. Um, that seems to be how things are going. And a lot of people have been talking about the fact, you know, oh, it's kind of reflective on his career. Fine, whatever. I don't think he's that great an actor, but if people... I think he deserves an Oscar for, for it, then fine. Performance by an actress in a leading role now, nominees. Um, Cynthia Erivo in Harriet. Scarlett Johansson in Marriage Story. Oh, I can never say this woman's name. Swai, she's Irish as well, which is my heritage, but still. Therese Renan in Little Women. Charlize Theron in Bombshell. And Renee Zellweger in Judy. Renee Zellweger is the hot tip, it feels like. Not seen Judy. Um, I've not seen any of these so yeah great what an informed choice and opinion this will be but um, I think a lot of people feel like Rene Zellweger is kind of a shoo-in for this fine I haven't seen Harriet Scarlett Johansson I'm sure he's great is it Oscar worthy don't know don't know Um, but yeah my money would be on Rene Zellweger as well and it's weird that she would win it especially for that you guys should check out um there's a very, I don't know what you'd Google. It's a very awkward interview that she has during the premiere of Judy. Um, I think it was at one of the film festivals. And this guy just doesn't know how to talk to, well, it feels like he doesn't know how to talk to a woman, let alone like a celebrity superstar. Um, and Renee Zellweger is really trying and bless her. It looks like, you know, she's trying to be very polite and this guy is just a mess, an idiot. Like how they can send, well, any network can send someone out like that ridiculous anyway i'd say renee Zellweger. so performance by an actress in supporting role and nominee kathy bates in richard jewell laura dern in marriage story scarlett johansson in jojo rabbit which is weird that she's got nominated for both fun florence Pugh in little women margot robbie in bombshell um interesting uh selection there i know but laura dern has been again is 
um, the hot tip for this one and she'll probably win it. I would like to see, um, I haven't seen Little Women, but I'd like to see Florence Pugh win because I think she's a really um, good actress and she's been in a few things now that I thought that's really good, especially Midsummer, um, which, you know, fans of the show would know um, I enjoyed. And that did a whole episode about that and her performance was really key in that. I can't, Marco Robbie, I mean, I haven't, Seen, but I don't even think it's officially out here yet. I haven't seen Bombshell, but um, you know, Margot Robbie, an Oscar worthy performance. I have no idea, but it doesn't, I don't think it was that kind of film the way it's portrayed and the way it's been advertised. Um, yeah, so I think Lawrence, Laura Dern, sorry, would probably get, would get that again. It's kind of following the trend of what's happening at the moment, and it's Laura Dern, and she's great. Uh, best animated feature film of the year, um, How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, which I have seen, and it's not very good, but fine. I Lost My Body, don't know what that is. Klaus, I did see, and I thought it was pretty boring, actually. Uh, Missing Link, I saw, and um, I thought it was okay. I like I like that animation, the, or was it Ard- Ardman, Ardvark, whatever, um, animation, but I was like, yeah, it fell a bit flat with some of the humour stuff for me. But um, it was still, you know, enjoyable. And Toy Story 4, which I didn't really like either. So, yeah, not a great year, really, I feel like, for Best Animated Feature. I think Missing Link is a hot tip for this one, and I'd probably agree. Like, looking at that, I enjoyed Missing Link the most, but there's just nothing that great about any of it, really. So to think that's you know, it will win an Oscar, if you told me that after I came out of the cinema of seeing it, I wouldn't have believed you, but there it is, pretty poor this year. Achievement in cinematography. Um, so this will be interesting. And I think it's I think it's going to be pretty obvious what's going to win this just because of the way um, it's been set out. But you've got uh, Rodrigo Prieto for The Irishman. I like. I thought it was okay. I thought the cinematography was, was fine. I didn't think it was particularly inspiring. I don't remember it standing out that much. I thought it was very straight, to be honest. Um, lit very nicely. And, you know, it does look good, but not that inspiring. Some of the shots, like when, you know, and there was that shot at the beginning of Irishman where it goes to the old folks' home and it's a playoff of, um, you know, Scorsese parodying himself with the Goodfellas thing when they go through the club and sit down. But really, at this time, it's going through an old folks' home to old Robert De Niro. Yeah, interesting, but again, it's been done. Some of the shots where, like, he goes into... um, you know, his character goes in to shoot someone basically in this um, restaurant and it kind of follows him in and then the way it turns around, and it, you know, and then he goes back out. I thought, oh yeah, interesting. It's interesting. But, you know, for you've got almost a four hour film, like, and there was there was nothing there that I thought, wow, like the way this is shot, it's new, it's fresh, it's exciting. No. Um, Joker, again, Cinematography was good. I liked the fact that it was, um, it dealt with being uh, distance from the subject, which sounds a bit weird um, in terms of, you know, a discussion point, but it was very important in Joker. And sometimes where it was like big epic, um, or, you know, not big epic, not that epic, but like things where, um, like when they're in the studio talking at the end or where there's the riots and all this stuff, Normally it would be kind of more wide shots or something like that. They keep very close to Joker um, 
to insinuate, you know, this is about him, it's his film, he's the focus, with all this stuff kind of going on around him. And again, subconsciously making you think that maybe it's in his head as well. Um, that was interesting. And some of the shots there were good. So if that, I don't think it would win, but if that did win, um, I don't think it would be a, a disservice. I think, it, you know, it, it was, it would be still well-deserved. Uh, the Lighthouse, I have been desperate to see, so I can't comment on it. But um, from the trailer, <laughs> it looks great. So who knows? 1917, Roger Deakins. I mean, Roger Deakins is, you know, probably the best working cinematographer out there. And the fact that this was all filmed as one shot, um, which, you know, like Hitchcock did with Rope, um, it, it is amazing. It's incredible they've been able to do that. So there's been a lot that's kind of gone into that. And I know it, it can, there's an element with some stuff like this where it's like, is it just a gimmick? rather than does it serve the story and just looking at some of the stuff and the urgency of the role i'm actually going to go see this film tomorrow i think it's actually um well deserved if it wins it uh, because it looks amazing and the fact that it's clearly been every little bit has been meticulously planned um not that like other films aren't obviously but there's an added um element here where it's supposed to be all in one shot it's no, it's no safety, basically, you're without a harness. Um, and I think that's uh, exciting. And I think doing that for a war film, particularly, is very exciting. So I, I can see this winning. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Robert Richardson. Haven't seen it, sorry. But um, I think Roger Deakins might be a shoe in for this. Costume design. So <laughs> for The Irishman, looked all right. I guess they were kind of wearing stuff from their time. I don't think it's particularly great. Jojo Rabbit would be interesting from what I've seen. Um, the wartime kind of fashion, playing around with it a little bit. Um, I think, you know, that that could be quite cool. Joker. Yeah. Okay. I, there's not much design apart from the fact that it's meant to look like, you know, late 70s New York or something. Um, I think the art direction generally is about that. The costume design... Not so much. I didn't, you know, it was okay. Little Women, you always do well with a period piece. It always goes that extra mile when you feel like there's like been an added element of design and it feels like there are actual costumes. So I can see that winning. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as well, um, just from what I've seen, the fact that it like parodies that kind of uh, um, 60s, 70s uh, Hollywood style. And again, just really trying to up that coolness I think um, it's pretty cool. But I think Little Women might win this. Achievement in directing. So best director, The Irishman, Martin Scorsese. I mean, no. <laughs> Too long, mate. Cut it. Cut it down. It's not that great. It's not that great. Sorry. Joker, Todd Phillips. Yeah, okay. Sure. It's He's worked hard on it. It's his own dream and vision. And that's what, you know, an auteur, a director as such, should be doing. And he's kind of changed the way people look at comic book heroes again, um, and villains this time. But yeah, uh, 1917 Sam Mendes, that is a, technically, that's probably the, should be the winner. Um, and I can see it winning again. And he's a great director anyway. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Tarantino, 
Maybe. Is it his best film? Is it a de- best director worthy? Um, I mean, I don't think he's made a good film for... I mean, I really like Django, but, you know, that's in the middle of... I don't know. It still wasn't that great, I didn't think. It was It was good. I really liked it. It's the best one he's done for a while. And then before that, it's like, well, I liked Jackie Brown. Loved Pulp Fiction. Loved Reservoir Dogs. But, yeah, I feel like Tarantino's just gone on a fucking... Just lost his way. He's just on a coke fueled existence or something at the moment. And for Parasite, Bong Joon-ho. I would like to see Bong Joon-ho get this. And again, it kind of speaks up to what I was saying at the top of this, which is that, you know, it's about um, bringing all films together and acknowledging them equally. Uh, but yeah, for me, it's between Sam Mendes and Bong Joon-ho. I'd like to see him win. I think Sam Mendes will get it. And if he does, fine. That's well-deserved. Best documentary. This is going to be tough because I haven't seen any of them. <laughs> America Factory, The Cave, The Edge of Democracy, For Sama, Honeyland. Let's pick one out. <laughs> the Cave. There you go. I reckon that's going to win just from the name. Um, best documentary, short subject. I'm not going to go into it and it's not to belittle any of the stuff on here. It's just there's no point because I haven't seen any of them. Um, but they're usually really good, so why not? Film editing, right? I can't believe The Irishman is on here, but it is. No. <laughs> no way. Um, Ford versus Ferrari, I haven't seen, but I imagine um, with all the race scenes and stuff, that's why it's on the list. And uh, yeah, so I think that could be an interesting take on it. But um, yeah. Jojo Rabbit, Tom Eagles. Yeah, again, that that looks like that's something that could be uh, edited interestingly. I haven't seen it. Um, Joker, good editing. Parasite, best editing. Parasite, I would go far and away and say that that should win best editing. And it's not because I'm trying to be different or blur. Um, the way it's put together, the pace of it, the way like some audio will interlap with some other shots from something else um, is are things that uh, an editor will play with and it makes an inspired choice and will stick with you. So, yeah, I think he should win it. I'm saying he. I don't know it's a he. Yang. Yang Jinmo. Um, so I apologise, I don't know. Best international feature films. This is it. Uh, I love the way they haven't said foreign. It's always been foreign if I made that up. But it's not. It's international now. Uh, Corpus Christi. Haven't seen it. Honeyland. Haven't seen it. Les Miserables. From, um, they've made that again. In, in France this time. Okay. Pain and Glory. No. Um, haven't seen it. Maldivar, uh, that is, by the way. So that's probably going to be the winner, I imagine. Or, wait, hold on, saying that, Parasite. So it's on that list as well. Um, this would be where, because I think Parasite's on Best Picture, which I'll come to. This would be where Parasite wins this and a nice, friendly American film will win Best Feature. It would be fucking cool if this won Best International, Parasite, and it also won Best Picture. That would be great, wouldn't it? Would never happen. So the fact that it's on this list means it's probably going to win this and then something else will win Best Picture. Annoying, because it shouldn't even be its category, right? Just put it in the others. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Achievement in makeup and hairstyling. Bombshell? Sure. Joker really loved the makeup and hairstyling in this because everyone looks a bit gritty and dirty and the fact that it's all clown stuff um, is quite cool. Uh, And it adds into the whole great art direction slash aesthetic of the whole movie anyway. Judy? No idea. Maleficent? Eh, 1917. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet, but war stuff always seems to do well. Um, I'm going to say, uh, let's say Joker. Let's say Joker wins it. See what happens. Our achievement in music, written for motion pictures, the original score. Um, oh, God. Hilda Guarnotier for Joker. Alexandre de Splat, Little Women. Randy Newman, Marriage Story. No. Thomas Newman, 1917. John Williams, Star Wars, Rise of Skywalker. Give it to Star Wars. Why not? Why not? John Williams, he could do another, use another Oscar, right? Um, I don't remember the score being that amazing, but... Um, yeah, having really not heard any of the other scores, who knows? Achievement in music written by uh, written for motion pictures. These are like the best songs or whatever. I can't let you throw yourself away from Toy Story Four by Randy Newman. I'm gonna love me again from Rocket Man by Elton John. I'm standing with you from Breakthrough by Diane Warren. Into the Unknown Frozen Two by Kristen Anderson Lopez and Robert Lopez. Stand Up from Harriet by Joshua Brian Campbell and Cynthia Erivo. Uh, didn't Frozen win their one many a moon ago? Um, I think this is going to be Elton John. Rocket Man, I don't think, but I think people enjoyed. I hated it with a passion. I thought it was awful. A lot of people liked it. And the fact that it was about, you know, Elton John and he's up for this, the best original score, whatever. I think this would be a little nod, a little nice nod to the you know, seen as Bohemian Rhapsody did so well at the Oscars for some God knows unknown reason. Um, and yeah, I'm going to say Elton John for that one. Best motion picture of the year. Ford versus Ferrari. Uh-huh. Really? The Irishman. No. Jojo Rabbit. No. Joker. Yeah. Little Bradley Cooper is a producer. Oh yeah, of course, because it's Todd Phillips, isn't it? Um, Little Women. Amy Pascal. Hmm. Marriage Story. No, I'm born back. Yeah. Um, 1917 
Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Parasite. What do I think will win? Uh, I don't know. I think... Hmm. I think 1917 or Joker might win. I'm going to say Joker might win it. Yeah, I think Joker might win it. But I would want to see Parasite win it. Yeah, I think I want to see Parasite win it. Um, But it won't. And we've got production design. Uh, The Irishman was all right, wasn't it? JJ Rabbit looks good, production design-wise. 1917, war stuff again. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, sure. Parasite, don't think it needs to win this for production design. I mean, it's, it's good, but it's like, yeah, okay. Um, I think it would be cool. Um, they give a little nod to maybe Once Upon a Time in Hollywood here. I think making like a 70s Hollywood thing um, would be quite fun and quite interesting. The rest of the stuff I feel like has been done before, really. So yeah, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Best animated short, I haven't seen any of them. So, you know, feel free to have a look at that yourself. Live action short, who knows? I always was in the hope that maybe I'd make something on a live action short list and win an Oscar. Never happen. I've got to make them, haven't I, really, first. Um, achievement in sound editing. Um, yeah, uh, some of the, this is kind of the thing that sometimes does step out on me. And Star Wars is in here, and I think Star Wars is actually a good shout because um, it's good. The sound editing is great. Like, you, the way... Um, the way it makes an impact, the use of all the different sounds and stuff. And remember, you know, um, the fact that a lot of time and effort went into the original Star Wars of making these new unique sounds. They play with these quite nicely in this film. And I think it generally works really well. Um, but then, yeah, the other stuff I haven't really seen properly. Joker, I don't remember the sound anything be that great. Ford versus Ferrari, obviously, that's going to be more the racing stuff. I think give this one to Star Wars. Sure. Sound mixing, Ad Astra, Ford versus Ferrari, Joker, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So sound mixing for me is a little bit um, tenuous in a sense of, like the sound editing, I kind of understand, literally the putting thereof of sounds together, creating the sounds. The mixing is always to do with literally like, I'm always like, well, that's, the levels essentially, right? There's a bit more to it, obviously, but like the way that it all like comes together, so certain things stand out. Um, and it is a very intricate job, but it's one that isn't often you can guess. So, I mean, looking at it, I mean, Ad Astra's on here and I've not seen it, but um, I, really want, I really do want to see it. But I think this is where like something like a racing film um, sound mixing is quite important. So I can see like a Ford versus Ferrari winning this one. Achievement in visual effects. Avengers Endgame, The Irishman, The Lion King, 1917, Star Wars. Let me tell you what won't win, The Lion King. <laughs> um, hated, the, hated the visual effects in that. Also, The Irishman just didn't work for me. The de-aging stuff. I didn't like it. So, sorry. Um, Avengers Endgame. Again, like Hulk looks really cartoony. It's good and I get it. It's very intricate and it, you know, and all this stuff, but I don't know. Again, um, 1917, I wouldn't know what. That feels like it'd be more practical effects, but I just, but I don't know. Um, let's give it to Star Wars again. Uh, it has still got the best, I think, best visual effects in the biz. And it's definitely like the ILM um, pinnacle what they're probably the most proud of. Um, and you can't go wrong with it, can you? So I think Star Wars for that one. 
Adapted screenplay. Irishman, Jojo Rabbit. I should really say the names, but it's too long. Joker, Little Women, Two Popes. So something that says talk heavy is the two popes I can see winning. Um, again, I haven't seen it, so apologies. But I think that they'll get kind of give a nod to Little Women and Greta Gerwig for this. Um, just because it's apparently done really well. And it's a classic story, isn't it? I can't really see Joker winning it. Well, maybe it might do, you know. Irishman, no, sorry. Just please stop saying Irishman is, was that good. It's not. Um, yeah, maybe Little Women or Two Popes. I'm going to say Little Women for that. Original screenplay, this is more interesting to me. Knives Out, Ryan Johnson, there you go. Marriage Story, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Parasite. I think Parasite should win it, in all honesty. And again, you could be like, oh, of course you think that. I think it's one It's one of those films where every line of dialogue is, you know, serves the story. It means something. I can't say that with Once Upon a Time. I can't say with any Tarantino movie, really, because it's, it's, sometimes it's more style over substance. Parasite is more substance over style. Um, and this is a style to it, obviously, but... I think it's a it's a very perfectly paced screenplay and okay, you know it's a translation, right? So I don't know if there's been any intricacies lost in the translation, um, but for me and about the story itself and what the message it's trying to give, it's much more important than I would say any of the others. To be honest, the only other one would maybe be Marriage Story. Noah Baumbach is very good at um, I don't even know if that's how you say it. Very good at writing a very personable. Um, f- real or at least you know, mock reality feels real um, script so I can kind of see that winning as well but um, I think Parasite should win this but I think they might give it to Marriage Story and yeah so that's it for the moment uh, they haven't got a host this year um, if anyone cares about that uh, but I think you know that's quite interesting other news Star Wars is about to break uh, Star Wars Rise of Skywalker is about to break a billion at the box office. I think they've done this much slower than the previous two films, but it's still going to hit that billion dollar club. Um, I'd be interested in what other people thought of it and who listened to um, our quite long review about it and how we kind of took it apart, put it back together. Um, and now that it's kind of been out there for a while, what did you guys think? Do you think it's deserving of a billion dollars even? Was it the worst one? Was it the best one? Well, yeah, what do you guys think? Also one of the uh, biggest... <laughs> It's not really big news. It's quite expected, really. Doolittle has been getting some very poor reviews. That's Robert Downey Jr.'s latest with Disney. Um, and it's quite funny because they've spent so much money on marketing it, but awfully at the same time. And Disney have this habit of, like, they'll just show you effects or they'll show you stuff that you think is awe-inspiring, but you walk out and it's completely forgettable. And that's what happened with Doolittle you know when you see a trailer and this is a problem i have and i think disney needs to up their game with trailers because they're just so lazy with it i'm going to be honest what what are you trying to get across what do you think the audience want to see that will make them think about stay in their heads they think about coming sometimes it is spectacle sometimes it is something like avengers um or whatever where it's just like here's all your my you know you're the mightiest heroes whatever you know here's all the people you see from the other films um and here's like a a planet getting blown up or something wow 
Roland Emmerich style. Oh. But again, you just look at that and you think, oh, that's cool. You've seen it though, haven't you? You've just seen it. <laughs> so what's going to make you want to come back? You're just going to be like, oh yeah, do I want to see that again? Uh, you know, mm. And like with Doolittle, it's like, oh, these bits where it's like, look at all these animals around. Do you talk to animals? And you're like, yeah, okay. But what is it? What actually is it? They t- the trailer tells you nothing really about who he is. What this, what the story, what, I don't know what the story is really. What is it? I don't, he's on a, he's running away from something. He's on a boat. Is there some little girl or something that, then you're just like, I don't know what it is. I don't know what's happening. And I can't, I cannot, whoever's signing these trailers off, maybe it's Bob Iger, whoever it is that's doing it, just sit, just sit down and forget about your test audiences and stuff like that. You, as an executive, as someone with a fucking brain, sit down and watch it and think, does that make me want to go see it? And if so, why? And if not, why? Because it doesn't make sense. They do it with Rise of Skywalker as well. It's just a whole bunch of stuff. It's just like the screen, like, look at all this cool stuff. And the thing is, it patronises. There will still be audiences who will, who will go and see it, obviously, and there will still be audiences who look at that and think, oh, I want to see that because I like animals or whatever. But yes, you, audiences are sometimes more intelligent than even that you think they are, and that even they think they are. You've got to get them, you've got to put a hook out there that thinks like, yeah, and what is it? It's the story. It's being like giving someone a little bit of like, here's here's an interesting story, but it's a trailer. So we've left things open. We've introduced a bit of it. And now we and now you want to come back and see it and see how that turns out. That should surely be um what a trailer should be. Otherwise, what is it? But just like a showreel, essentially, something like that. Just a whole bunch of nonsensical images thrown on the screen. And that's what Disney trailers are like. And that's what they do with Doolittle. And, you know, and maybe there's a reason for the fact that it has no story. Maybe that's why it's so awful. Um, but there's been literally no, even though they've spent massive amounts on the marketing, I feel like it's on every single trailer thing that I go to see at the cinema. It's on, you know, um, it's on before every film. It's literally no one's talking about it. No one. But why would they? Because there's nothing to talk about. It's like, oh, yeah, you could talk to animals. Like, you already know that coming in, and that's what you leave with. It's like, you know that from the title, because it's something that you've dredged up from the past and been like, oh, let's give it a fresh lick of paint and then put it out in the cinemas again and see how it does. Dangerous game, if you ask me, doing stuff like that. Um, And the fact that, like, I was watching it going, are they trying to make like Robert Downey Jr. look like he's like 25 or something? He's like 55. He's old. And yeah, he looks great for his age or whatever and all this stuff. Sure. But why are you trying to make him weirdly look younger than he actually is? Like, what's the point? Just get a younger actor if that's what you're going for. But no, Downey Jr., they think he has the star power to pull that in. And he did as Iron Man with all the Avengers films, but not as Doctor Doolittle. What makes, what is, is it about this Dr. Doolittle that you think Robert Downey Jr. is going to bring? Is it going to be his, you know, roguish, rebellious kind of nature? I don't, I don't understand. So the whole thing looks like a mess and it's done very poorly in the review stages. So no surprise there. There was also something this week about how um, Barbara Broccoli, who's the, uh, I think it's Broccoli, Broccoli maybe, um, who's the producer of the James Bond films, recently said that, um, and I quote about James Bond, I should say, um, basically he could be played by any person of colour, just not a woman. Uh, And she said, 
he can be this is literally word for word he can be of any color but he is male this is who she told she told Farity. I believe we should be creating new characters for women, strong female characters. I'm not particularly interested in taking a male character and having a woman play it. I think women are far more interesting than that. Um, and I don't know. I think people have reacted in both ways in the sense of why not? You know, you know, it's just a character. And it's like, yeah, okay. And there's like, I know a lot of, because um, people talk about having an Idris Elba or something. And uh, <laughs> There was a comedian on um, YouTube who's basically saying, you know, if you put, if you put a black man in the middle of um, a rich white party, he's going to stand out like a sore thumb um, and he'd make the worst spy ever. And obviously, you know, that's, that's a whole thing. That's a bit, essentially. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's that element of, with uh, saying, oh, you know, he could be a person of colour, just can't be a woman. It's like, well... Yeah, he's just a character. Like, as in, like, there's this zeitgeist thing of, like, you know, oh, James Bond. James Bond. It's like, you know, well, you can say about Marty McFly or anything. Just make a new character. Like, it's kind of what she's saying here, right? Which is, like, James Bond is just James Bond. He's just this, like, chauvinistic um, spy uh, who, like... You know, these days they're trying to make him a bit more like human or whatever, even though it's completely OTT. Um, but yeah, like there should be that element where, you know, women should have their own um, spy stuff to look up to. It's like James Bond doesn't have to. I mean, I'm sick of James Bond movies. I don't even think they've even been that good. I really liked Casino Royale. That's probably the last one I liked. Um, and I don't I haven't seen it recently, so maybe it doesn't even stand up to the test of time. That and I don't really I don't like any of the other Daniel Craig ones. Sorry, um, and then I think well you know Pierce Brosnan was all right, wasn't that great? And then you're going back into like the old school sexist racist <laughs> James Bond. So yeah, again this whole thing would like James Bond you know should be, be could be played by anyone if you want. Like I really don't care. Like I don't hold any torch for like. James Bond having to be a man, having to be a certain age, having to be white or black or whatever. I don't really, you know, do what, if that's what people want, then that's something that people feel the need to fight for. Uh, Fine, do it. But I just think, yeah, it's like with anything, it's like, do just something original. Like, you know, if it's about, do like a, a trans black spy a thing and it's like oh but that would never get funding it would never get off the ground and then I understand that I'm always of the mind of like if you want it hard enough you'll make it happen basically and there's a defeatist attitude sometimes with stuff like this um and I would say you know there are a lot of um places where you can um where which ask for like more diversity like over here like you've got the BBC and it's like BBC three now, which explicitly says that they pay more attention to, um, you know, uh, projects that deal with, um, diversity basically. And that's, you know, and that's great and fine. They're like, we've got enough of all this stuff. We, we want something that's more diverse and from people from diverse backgrounds. Um, and that's, and that's not like, Oh, BBC, but it's because the BBC has to represent, like it's in its mandate essentially to represent 
the entirety of the country and everyone who's in it. So um, that's why they kind of ask for things like that. And I just think, you know, there's 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 ways of doing it. Like James Bond started as a as a book, obviously, Ian Fleming, um, before it got made into a film. So there's that element where I'm just like, okay, if you feel like that has to be a thing, then great. Why don't we, um, why doesn't someone go out and just write an amazing series of books? Like it's that easy, yeah? But um, I don't know. There's an, there's an element here where uh, I think, you know, James Bond can be whatever. If they turned around and said, James Bond is now an Asian woman and and called and called Jane Bond or something, and I don't know, and I'd be like, all right, it's still probably going to be a bad film just because I don't really find the James Bond films that great. But no, it's an institution. It's an institution. It has to be male. It has to be this. It has to be that. It's like, we've still got those films. You can still go back and watch those films. Don't worry about it. But yeah, I I think it's better just to do your own thing um, and leave all that stuff behind because all that stuff can kind of drag you down. The only reason really why, you know, people want to hang on to it is because it's more chance of maybe being successful. Don't know. Anyway, I'm being, you know, if someone wants to um, tell me that I'm wrong or whatever, or that it is a big deal, then fine be happy to hear that argument but i'm just not not that bothered also you might have seen that they're gonna do a remake of resident evil 3 um i really enjoyed this the original playstation one uh, where you had um the big nemesis monster basically that would come in um and smash your shit up and also it would follow you through the screen so a lot of time in an old resident evil game you just run into like a door and the threat would be gone but with this he breaks that down and he's still coming after you. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that. The graphics look great. Again, it's in the RE engine, which is always nice and, you know, very good with all the shadows and all this stuff. And they've taken away the multiple endings. They've kind of fleshed little bits out. Um, and they've taken away the weird short skirt prostitute-looking outfit that um, Jane... Was it Jane Valentine? Jill Valentine. Is it her in the third one? Um was wearing first time round and yeah made it a bit more um practical let's say so yeah look out for that guys because it's i think it's going to be um pretty pretty cool when it comes out this year there's also been a few uh delays as well one of them being avengers with the game that is it's got delayed to september the 4th 2020 um the cynic in me would say that's because they want to get people buying next-gen consoles or something like that. Um, and, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't really know why they've done it. But, um, well, I know I've done it if it's you know, not finished. I don't think they're going to finish it in time. Um, but, yeah, I don't know if I mentioned it, but I did play the demo and it was all right. It was okay. It's um, I quite liked the fact that you, everyone's got their own kind of different spin when you when you play with the different characters um strangely iron man was the worst you think iron man was perfect for something like that in terms of a gaming format but um yeah i actually thought it wasn't um uh, particularly exciting to play as iron man it's a bit finickety thor was pretty good um captain america was a bit more like batman style uh, into play hulk was obviously very smash and that was that's really good fun i think i'd probably get bored of that though after a while 
Black Widow is a bit more like Bayonetta-ish, I suppose. Um, in a good way, in a good way. And uh, God, I forgot who the others are. Um, but yeah, generally speaking, playing it, it was all right. It was okay. There's things where it's like someone gets a punch in on Thor and he's like, Ugh. I was thinking, you know, I know it's still a game, but that doesn't feel right. <laughs> it feels a bit weird. Um, the Final Fantasy VII remake has been delayed as well at April the 10th. It's originally going to come out in March. I'm wondering like what people think if, well, who's going to buy this really? Like, I was obviously um, young, like when Final Fantasy VII came out, which I think was 97, I was 14. I didn't play it straight away. Um, I played it before eight. So maybe, you know, maybe, well, maybe I was about 15, 16 then, I don't know. And um, telling my age there. And I loved it. I thought it was brilliant. Would I want to go back and do a remake of it with the new graphics? I haven't even done Final Fantasy XV yet. Um, I'm not really that bothered. But then that's the thing, like, they've kind of waited so long where people who would have played the original are now an age where they, like, either don't play games at all or, like me, they're quite time poor and they've got, like, families and stuff like that. So, you know, the idea of going back and playing a game again, even if it's new, is maybe not that exciting. And it's not even, like, the whole game, is it? It's just the Midgard bit, which is, like, the first disc on a four-disc thing. And yeah, and then I'm thinking, well, maybe it's the people who heard how great it is but don't want to go back to that kind of playing, or maybe it's the Final Fantasy 15, you know, the new Final Fantasy kind of fans who want to go back and try like a classic or something. Maybe. But I'm just looking at it going, I don't really know who this is for anymore. Like if they'd released this, I would say like 10 years ago, it would have made more sense and all right, fine. Graphics wouldn't be up to polish or whatever and all this stuff. But it made more sense then than it does now where the original crowd are just old, you know. I mean, I, I was on, because, like, I mean, like, you're only going to be like, what, five or six years younger than me, really? To, you're going to be like, what, 30? Um, if when you're going to, you know, if this came out and you were able to play it when it came out at the height of its stardom. So, you know, that's still not like young, young, is it? So I don't really understand who it's for. It's interesting. So anyway, I guess that's enough for now. I've wobbled on for enough. Um, again, you can email us, newwinterpodcast at gmail.com, Twitter, Instagram, at a new winter, or go to patreon.com slash a new winter. And yeah, you'll be getting some exclusive episodes on there already and some more new stuff coming soon. And thanks for listening. Bye. You winter culture. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. 
Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.